This is the Two Fish Podcast, where we try to keep biblical truths simple. Your hosts, Nick Burt and Aaron Apple. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Two Fish Podcast. Uh, this is your first time tuning in. We just want to welcome you to the Two Fish community, and we greatly appreciate you tuning in yeah. to us this week. So, uh, Nick, where are we going this week? What are we diving into? Uh, we're diving back into Luke 15. Last week, um, just to recap, we talked about the parable of lost sheep and then the parable of lost coin. And then f- Jesus is still talking. He's hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, and the Pharisees are grumbling about it. So we're still in that setting, okay? And Jesus continues with another parable. And what I love about this parable is how extreme Jesus is in his presentation of trying to get the point across to these guys. And we'll talk about it here as we go. This is kind of a long one, so we're going to jump right in. I think we talked about uh, something today, though, that we were going to mention at the forefront of this. And Oh, yeah, yeah, This is the, the third parable here in a, here in a row, Um that we're discussing that is about the being the lost individual or a lost coin or some form of being lost. And if that is you and you are in that situation, we just pray that uh, first you really tune into this one because this one really dives into it and it's really good. And uh, Jesus is definitely seeking you and chasing after you. And we're praying for you no matter where you're at in your walk and, um, maybe you came to Jesus a long time ago, uh, but you've kind of walked away from that, or maybe you've you've never been, been there, and this is your first time tuning in, but uh, this is definitely an episode that you want to tune into and pay attention. Exactly. So, like I said, he's in the same setting, and no doubt his disciples are here with him. Among the disciples is Peter, who he builds his church on, we've talked about Peter before, and Judas who eventually betrays him. What's crazy about these parables that he's telling, the lost sheep we talked about and the lost coin, like I said, is something is lost. In in the parable, the shepherd pursues the sheep. In the lost coin, the woman pursues the coin. She finds it and rejoices. And then there's that coming back to into possession, okay? And so when we talk about Jesus reaching lost souls, there are going to be times, even in our own lives as Christians, where maybe we turn away for a season, or we walk away for a season, or we rebel for a season. And Jesus, like I said, Peter and Judas are in probably, no doubt, in this room where he's talking about this. And we know now, because we have scripture, that pretty soon Judas is going to betray Jesus, give him up, and Peter is going to deny him. They're both going to choose to step away from Jesus for a season. Now, they both do come to the realization of what they did, but they reacted differently. Judas said, oh my gosh, what have I done? Throws the money that he got for betraying Jesus on the temple floor and then goes eventually and hangs himself. Peter chooses, and no doubt these stories come to his mind as he's reflecting on the fact that I just betrayed Jesus. I can either do what Judas did or I can remember these stories and these parables that Jesus is telling us about the, the the lost sheep and how there is a bringing back to possession or we'll talk about here the lost son in the story of the prodigal son, the father in the story desperately wants the son to come back to him. And so Peter decides, makes a decision, okay, I remember these stories that Jesus has been telling. I'm going to accept God's grace. I'm going to accept repentance. 
and I'm going to come back to Jesus. Yeah. I, and as I was researching this, that those two names popped in my mind. Like the disciples were definitely sitting here listening to these parables as well as the sinners and the tax collectors. So I don't know, just think about that as we read this and maybe put yourself in their mindset as we're reading this. I just thought it was an interesting kind of point of view of these stories. It is. It's also a good reminder that uh, we are forgiven as we go through this. Um, That word popped in my head. Oh, yeah. So once again, yeah, if you're in that situation, pay attention here um, because you are forgiven. God definitely love you. Hopefully the community does as well. So let's dive into this parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. Uh, so it would be Luke chapter 15, 11 through 31. All right, let's go through it here. Verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs were, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and and you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Ooh, take a breather there. Yeah. There is a lot in this, and I think this is one of those stories, if I were to tell you, even probably even a, an unbeliever, if I was to say, name a parable in the Bible, I feel like this is one of the ones that would be brought up right away. It's just one of those ones you learn in Sunday school as a little kid, parable of the prodigal son, and you just kind of think about it, kind of like John three sixteen, for God's love the world. Like It's just second nature. You don't even think about it, but when you stop and read it and break it down like we've done and try to do in... in in these episodes, um, I think you'll get a lot out of it. So verse number 11, and he said, there was a man who had two sons. So basically, again, Jesus is talking to the same crowd, tax collectors and sinners. And this is just, again, setting up the stage. Verse 12, and the younger them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Yeah, so mine reads a little bit different. I want my share of your estate now before you die. Oh, that's like brutal. Yeah. So in this instance, there's two sons, and the older son at, the, at this time, if the father was to split this, if, if he was to die, the older son would get two-thirds. The younger son would get one-third of the yeah. estate because it was law that the older son got more 
than the younger. I am the older, so I still agree with this law, but good luck. (laughs) (laughs) So the father's not dead. The son once says, basically, you're dead to me, which is super disrespectful. Yeah. That's a pretty disrespectful thing to say. Even if you were joking, like, that's pretty disrespectful. Yeah. This this kid obviously wasn't joking. Right. This is is pretty extreme. So you mentioned that word extreme earlier. And Jesus takes this parable kind of to the extremes. Um, this this probably wouldn't have happened in those days. Yeah, like the the son would not have approached the, the family business and said, "Father, you're you're dead to me. I want my share of the estate now before you even die. Yeah. And I want out of this family business. I'm done with it. I'm fed up with all of this. I'm out." In this day and age, there probably wasn't a lot of cash in these in these communities in this circumstance. So it was probably more property, land assets, animals. So this wasn't a, okay, well, let me divide it up. Here's your money. The father would have had to liquidate some stuff. Or would have had to sell some property. And that, that wouldn't have been normal either. Yeah. And I think we'll, we'll get to this point too, but at, as this transpired, like the son would have been just an outcast then to the family mm. and to the community. Yeah. So the father would have had to liquidate his possessions at least one third of them yeah. and give the money to the son or he divided the estate and the son sold the property and I somehow. Think, and I think what you're to what you were saying is this wouldn't happen. So this is another extreme scenario right. that Jesus is setting up in this parable. And these Jewish leaders that are sitting there, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they're saying, what? No way this would happen. Yeah. So this is a, he, Jesus is building up the story to show just an extreme and we'll talk about here at, at the end there. But verse 13, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Yeah, that's party. That's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I got this money. I'm out. I won the lottery, and we're going to party. And in our previous episode, we talked about, like, we're supposed to celebrate, right? Yeah. This is not the right kind <laughs> of celebration. No, this is different. <laughs> It says he went to the distant land um, and he wasted all his money. So in my mind, this wasn't just a small amount of small amount of money. And so it's not something you're going to waste in a day or a weekend. Right. If you blow a third of your father's assets in a weekend, that was a crazy party. Yeah. You probably don't remember that party. So this was over an extended period of time. So he decided not just to waste his money, but to change lifestyle. So now yeah. he's, he's in a wild lifestyle. In this different foreign country, right? He's basically living in sin, and and once again, he bas- he disowned his family and went to a distant land. So he went a long ways away. Yeah, it wasn't like I went to the next town. It was a distant land. It's somewhere far off, where probably nobody knew him, and he didn't know anybody. But yeah. he, according to this, I would say he was he went there and he became the life of the party. Yeah, for a short period of time. And another thing you can also assume kind of through this is this would be a family that was well off. So the father would have had status in the community. He would have been a, a well-respected man and the family had land and money. And then this son up and left and went to this distant land. So everybody in that community would have heard about this. They yeah. would have known about it and yeah. they would, and they kind of, they would have judged the situation. And that would have been hurtful for the dad. And then also the other brother. Of course, this is a story of two brothers. 
and the other brother would have been just as embarrassed embarrassed about the situation knowing that his younger brother made his dad sell off part of the business liquidate some assets right and he's probably mad at his dad because dad gave in and and did it before a period that he should have they weren't supposed to be even thinking about this at this point and here he is dividing it and and moving forward with this before yeah and again the other thing would be again this isn't money this is would be assets and be part of the business to be used to make more money for the business and more assets for the business so now you've shrunken the business family business the family fortune the family assets into you took out a third of it so now that puts the brother then the older brother at kind of a disadvantage of where he should have been to be able to continue to help his family grow this family so verse 14 about this about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Here again, Jesus, another extreme. Right about the time the brother, the younger brother, runs out of money. Oh, now there's a famine. And obviously, this is a fictional story. This didn't happen even in Jesus' day. He's just using this to make a point. So the younger brother blows all his money. Everything he has, it's gone in wild lifestyle, however long it was. And of course... When he needs that money is when the famine comes. Verse 15, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. This is a doozy. So this son, the youngest son, he, he's, a, he's close to rock bottom before this verse, right? He's out of money. There's a famine that swept through the land. So he's like, man, reality's setting in what he's done, but then goes and begs a local farmer and his job is to feed the pigs. Yeah. So he thought he was at rock bottom when he ran out of money. Then the famine hits. And now as a Jew, because we're going to assume this kid was Jewish based on who he's talking, Jesus is talking to here. Now he has to go and hire himself out to a farmer to do what? To feed pigs, Pigs. which is a no, no. That is not a clean animal for the jewish people yeah they don't touch it they don't eat it they don't they're not around it the law of moses and these made-up laws that the sadducees and pharisees have made up say pig is a no-no and so here this kid is having to feed the pigs right he basically he basically sold his soul to try and get back on top of things because he's at once again he's at rock bottom yeah but he ends up with the lowest lowest jobs for Jewish person of this time. Verse 16, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So he's hungry. He's doing a job he shouldn't be doing, messing with animals that he shouldn't be messing with. And now he's pondering to eat the food that he's feeding them because nobody will give him anything yeah which tells me that this he probably didn't negotiate a good deal when he got hired by this farmer because he's working and still not and he's still hungry and he's still not able to feed himself on whatever this farmer is even paying him if at all he's that hungry enough to stop working and steal the food from the pigs and eat so looking at this picture he's isolated he's by himself even though he's got this job obviously this farmer isn't really supporting him very well. He's yeah. maybe giving him an, an just enough to squeak by. So the son's clearly not respected in this distant land. 
and he's now isolated and by himself and starving and he's struggling to get back on his feet because he's trying to do it on his own clearly he's not even he's not getting ahead if he's that hungry like maybe he gets a job maybe he starts saving maybe he gets back on his feet figure it out well he's not even able to do that he's in the lowest of lows and again what an extreme example for jesus to be saying verse 17 when he finally came to his senses he said to himself at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare and here i am dying of hunger so he's starting to realize that he can't do this on his own and he needs the father i kind of picture stubbornness in this like before this point before this point yeah like he's he has just been completely stubborn like i don't like the way you're doing things at home yeah i want my share i'm out i'm gonna go do things my own way and i'm not gonna do them your way and you get to that land and you continue down this path of i'm gonna do things my way i got some money now i can do what i want to do it's almost like your early teenage years right yeah. like the rebellious phase your rebellious phase and and this verse, he's starting to see, I can't do this. And he's starting to see that things were better at home, even for the servant. So that would point to his father was a little more generous than the guy yeah. he's working for. Or they had more money and were able to be more generous than yeah. the guy he's working for. And he even takes a moment, and he maybe this isn't the first time it popped in his head, but this is the first time that it really set in. Because he probably was thinking, man, I, I had a good at home. He's probably already forgotten his good party because that party faded quickly. His lifestyle there faded quickly. And he's finally thinking about home. And he's thinking, man, I, I, maybe it wasn't the greatest situation, but I was blessed. And here I am. I thought I could do it on my own. Thought I could do it better. Wasted it all. I'm at my rock bottom. He starts man- thinking not about his father and his brother and his own household. But he's starting to think about the servants saying man even they have enough to spare like they're eating at work and then taking some home to their family some of the research i did these hired servants might have been like day help so they worked day by day they worked paycheck by paycheck would have been the norm for this kind of servant that if they didn't work that day and didn't have hire that day that they wouldn't eat that day they just kind of lived day by day and that this father was generous enough and the business was successful enough that they were doing that and getting to take some home and getting a little bit more. This was a good situation, not only for the sons, but if it was good enough for these servants that they had it good for their class of people, these sons would have had it excellent. One of the the key words in this verse, at this moment, the son comes to his senses. So something inside of him flipped, right? Like the trigger flip is, oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. What have I been doing? Why did I do this? I'm sitting here dying of hunger and I could be at home living the life. I think about my own life and different situations um, where you have, obviously this is extreme, but where you have those moments where you're like, what am I doing? Why did I make that decision? Or, and you have that realization of, man, it would be better if I would just get myself together here, whatever the situation is and do it differently. Or in, in, you know, in our Christian walk, clearly I've been trying to do it myself. I need to turn back to Jesus. I need to reopen my Bible here. I need to start praying more. I need to start going to church. And that's a big thing. We're going to talk about that next week a little bit. But 
I need to start getting back to the community of the church. So you have that, he hits rock bottom, but sometimes we don't even have to hit rock bottom before we start thinking, man, this isn't great. What could I do differently? And a lot of times that's what it is. It's for us, it's, I need to get back to the word. I need to get back to Jesus. I need to get back to church community. I don't know, just something to think about. Put yourself in those shoes, maybe not to this extreme, but definitely consider this stuff. Yeah. When you come back to your senses and God's talking to you, he's wanting you to get back to the the herd, the church. <laughs> the, the herd. I love it. Luke uh, fifteen eighteen. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I think this is a great example of repentance. You understand that you've done wrong to the person that you've sinned against, and you understand that because of that, you've, you've wronged the father. And I think even in our own lives, when we have situations, that's a good example of how to handle these situations. I need, and what, what the son's doing, he's, he's rehearsing his answer. He's getting, he's maybe, he, then maybe this is when he's on his way back from the foreign land to yeah. home. He's rehearsing. Okay. How many times have you done that? Okay. This one would say, this one would say, this one would say. Yeah. He's got a, he's coming from a distant land. He's got a long ways to go to oh. think about how he's going to approach his father yeah. and, and he's, say, I screwed up. And he's probably worried about the consequence because the father could say, you screwed up. Get out of here. And like, it's not, it's not only, so he's got to go back to that. He's got to walk through the front gates of the community and he's got to, he's got to face the community. That's what's going through his head at this point. Like, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You, you're going back and you, you got to face the wrath of, of what you sowed. Yeah. And so apply it in our own lives. Sometimes, sometimes it's got to be in public. Sometimes your what you've done is going to, you're going to have to man up in front of people knowing the gossip, you know, the gossip that goes around, people know what's going on. Unfortunately, that's how it is. Yeah. And you got some people that just enjoy gossip, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but yeah, I think this is a great example of saying, going to that person and saying, I'm sorry. And knowing that you've also sinned against God at the same time. I didn't think about this earlier, but the, the order of that, when he's practicing this, it's father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. So it's, is God before God before the Father there? That's good. Heaven. Luke fifteen nineteen, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So this is him still rehearsing it in his mind, and he he realizes that he screwed up as a son. So he thinks maybe the dad will take me as a servant, a lesser. I'll, I won't sleep in the house. I'll sleep in the barn. Commute whatever the situation is, he's saying, I'm, he realizes I'm not worthy, which I think is a good realization. I think probably for ourselves, again, I try to make this applicable to ourselves, but we're not worthy. We're not worthy at all, even to be God's children. Right. You know what I mean? They're like, we've done nothing to earn that. We've talked about that in past episodes, you know, works versus faith based salvation. And we're just not worthy of that. And that a lot of times is in our minds and maybe sometimes should be in our mind say, Hey, it's not because of me. I'm not worthy on my own. But the good thing that this son has going for him is that he is a son of this father. There's nothing that can change that. Right. And we'll see here in a second, the father's response when he gets home. The, the other thing here to mention, once again, he's going back to his father's land and he's going to ask to be a servant. He's already a servant where he's at. 
but it sucks. It's miserable. He's starving. He's hungry. He's desperate. He's all alone. And he now sees that the best thing I can do, pick up from here and go get on my knees and beg my father to allow me to be a servant on his land again. Which is a not a great situation, but it's a better situation. And this, he's just wanting a better situation. He, know, he knows he's not worthy to go back into the house and be the son. He just wants a better situation than what he's got. Yeah. And he has no clue, no clue if he'll be accepted by the community or even his own father. Yeah. So at this point, it's all just a hope and a prayer. All right, verse 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. So this, in my mind, is not at all what the son thought was going to happen. No. He thought, at best, the dad would hire him as a servant. At best. After some begging and pleading. After what all he did, this was that was the best that could happen. Before he even got to the house, maybe he walked through, maybe he had to deal with that social social backlash of him walking through town to get to his dad's property and him having to deal with part of that. Because there's always consequences to everything. Sometimes later, sometimes now. See, I kind of think different. Really? Okay. Because he saw him a long way off and he ran to him. So I think the father ran to him before he had to face the community. Oh, interesting. I think we're going to agree to disagree on this one. All right. That's fine. That's all right. That's part of the... That's part of this. Part of the fun of doing this with someone. Yeah. I, I, w- I would, in my mind, he has he's still dealing with consequence of the shame that he put on his family and that the neighbors know. And maybe the father saw him in the town. That's where I think about it. But I can picture the way you're saying it, too, is before even all that, the father saw him coming down the road, which, which points to the fact that, and this is where I think the important part of this verse is, the father was looking for him. Yeah. I don't think that the father randomly looked up and was like, is that, is that my son? Right. My guess is, and as, as a father myself, if, if one of my boys left, my thought is this father felt like I'm sure hurt from the whole thing. He was hurt by his actions of his son, but he missed his son and he wanted his son to come back. And I bet every morning he, he went out to the driveway and thought, is my son's car there? No. And just every day that weighed on him. And I think sometimes when we read this, we don't even think about that section uh, that we just read about the father's angle, how clearly this father is looking for the son, right. is hoping that the son, t- is today the day he's going to come back. And for maybe a year, who knows how long, the son, every day he looks and he's not. And then all of a sudden the excitement, he looks and there's his son and he gets excited, so excited that he runs towards his son. Right. So part of where I come from is this running thing. A couple of studies I did that it talked about this running. The father running would not have been acceptable because they would have worn a, a turnic and he would have had to hiked that up and he would have shown his bare legs, which would have been a huge no-no. So this is another extreme. The yeah. father running would have been like, no, you don't do that. This The father in this situation is a man of status. He He's wearing a, a tunic, and 
he would not have hiked that up to run to the sun. So I think he ran to the sun in front of the community, embraced him, and kissed him before they could ridicule him as he walked into town. Interesting. So you think father had to run through the town and face some backlash for the sun. Okay. I like that. He ran to him and protected him before he had to. All right. I like that. Go through that. Which would have been another thing where this the town community is like, this family is so messed up. Yeah. Like, look at this father. <laughs> what? This guy is crazy. He's lost his mind. He's finally right. lost his mind. I love it. So, yeah. verse 21. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And so, once again, this is... This is the son and repentance. He's coming back. I pictured him on his knees saying, Father, forgive me, for yeah. I have I have sinned against heaven and you, and I'm here to ask for forgiveness. And I, I am not worthy of being called your son, but I still, I'm back here. I need you. What's funny is in verse 19, that, that statement continues by saying, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Take me as a sired, hired servant. But here he doesn't even get to finish, hey, take me as a servant. Here he doesn't even get to do that. The father cuts him off, verse 22, and says, But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. So the father doesn't even let him, this whole thing that the son's rehearsed this whole time, doesn't even let him finish it, cuts him off. He's so happy that his son is finally home. He's been out there every morning looking. The day has finally come. The son has come and repented to his father. Doesn't even give the son a chance to hopefully, in the son's mind, hopefully just take me as a servant. So a couple of things you can picture in this verse. One, the father has servants. So once again, he's a man that's well off. The son needs new clothing and sandals. So in this day and age, you were status if you had sandals. So it's like having the Air Jordans. Ooh, okay. Right? So if he's showing up there, he's got no sandals, his clothing's not nice, he's obviously probably skinny and raggedy clothes, no sandals, and that's not how he left. He probably left in a nice robe, sandals. A big old bag of money. And a ring on his finger and a big old sack of money. He's probably pawned it off. So now he's kind of dragging himself back into town, beat up, and his dad's saying, Get him the finest of things and get him reclothed. This is my son. Verse 23, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. Here, the father is saying, just like in the past two parables, we're going to celebrate what's lost is now found. What ran away and tried to live on his own has come to repentance in this circumstance. And we're going to celebrate the fact that my son is back. The son didn't even have an opportunity to say, I want to be your servant. The father, which in my mind, what if the son would have said, what if the son would have said, yo, dad, I'm back. Let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't believe that the son even had time to say anything. Like he got his first sentence out. I think the father, it didn't matter what the son was going to say. Yeah. In the picture in my mind, his father was embracing his son. Didn't matter. Yeah. Don't. I don't care what happened. I don't care what you did. I don't care. You have nothing. Clearly you have nothing. Look at you. Bring in the stuff we need. And this boy needs to eat. Right. I have already forgiven you. Right. I've forgiven you and we're going to celebrate. 
We're going to have a party. He, actually, he doesn't even say, I forgave you. No. But which I, means that he probably already did. My son made a bad decision, but I forgive him. Yeah. We're going to move on from here. And that, I'm and just hoping that he comes back. And that's our God. Man. That's, that's what he does for us. Like, he already, he already forgave us. And we got to come to our senses in these in these moments and these times where we've turned or maybe you haven't quite made it there, but, but you are forgiven. Yeah. And that's, man, that is, that is the picture that Jesus is painting in this parable. And in this moment, you're forgiven. We're going to celebrate because you have come home. You are back in the kingdom. So verse 24, for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but is now found. And I think this is just another example of Jesus being extreme. The son clearly wasn't dead, but to the father and to the community and to the situation, he had gone so far to the extreme the son had, he might as well have been dead to the family. He was, he was dead to the community. He was, as we'll get into next week, he was dead to his brother. And his father was holding on to that, that glimpse of hope that he would come back. And I think so many times this is us and our walk and, I can picture myself before a couple of years ago, I was just living life kind of without a real, a real purpose. It felt like, yeah. um, and now that I've come to my senses and things have, have flipped and such a beautiful story, the way he laid this out as I've dove into it. And like you said, at the beginning of the episode, it's, it's one of those parables that we've all heard of. There's multiple songs out there about it, but when you dive into it and you, Start doing some of the research of the extremes and the and the beauty in this story that Jesus is just laying out there for everybody. That is, that is our walk. Exactly. And because this was this is such a longer parable than the other ones, we're going to split it into two weeks. So make sure that you're subscribed and you're following, so that next week you can hear the other side of the story. And it's from the other brother's perspective. The other brother finds out what's going on, and he's not happy about it. And the father has to say to, like in the last one of the lost sheep, he's coming back to the 99. It's got to explain why he left them. And so we're going to talk about that next week. Um, So make sure you, like I said, subscribed so that you won't miss the rest of this parable. Thanks for tuning in to the Two Fish Podcast, where we try to keep biblical truth simple. Make sure you go check out our Facebook page and our Instagram page. Hit those like, subscribe, and share buttons, and make sure you keep coming back.